June, and welcome to Fringes, a no-frills kind of podcast where I talk to trans and gender non-conforming Jews about our experiences with talitot and tzitzit. Talitot are Jewish prayer shawls, and tzitzit are the knotted fringe on the bottom of them. For deeper definitions about this, check out the first episode. Today, I'm interviewing the talented and lovely Noam Mason, who is about to introduce themselves. Yeah, thank you. Um, my name is Noam. I use they, them pronouns. I am 21 years old. Um, I currently am a student at Bancroft School of Massage Therapy, where I am earning my massage therapy license. Um, I am a mikvah guide at Mayim Chaim in Newton, um, which is an inclusive mikvah, um, inclusive egalitarian mikvah. Um, I'm a huge bookworm, and my best friend is my cat, Jamie. He's gray. <laughs> Sweet. Um, well, I guess we can just dive right in with, um, the question I've started with everyone, which is just what your first memories with Atalus are, what your first memories with Tzitzit are, um, yeah, like what, what do they bring up? Yeah, absolutely. So, um... I actually uh, converted to Judaism. Um, I began that process when I was 18. Um, I finished that process when I was 19-ish, ish, um, -ish, because I actually totally forget when my mikvah date was. Um, (laughs) uh, So um, I come from a a conservative shul in Worcester, um, Congregation Beth Israel, um, where there's a pretty neat striation of talus practices. Um, most men and many women wear telecim. Uh, the size and the materials and the colors vary a lot. Um, it's like a really colorful place to be when you are looking specifically at the uh, telecim that people wear. Um, so most folks in my community um, don't wear a talis katan, um, but uh, most people do wear a talis gadol or like a shawl style talis in shul. Um, so it's sort of my first... Uh, memories um i guess are as an as a young adult and um a feeling of like uh anticipation there's a very big feeling of anticipation um because it was not within my practice to wear a talus before i finished my conversion so i had a lot of um excitement and just looking forward to being able uh to getting to the point where i was going to be able to wear a talus for the first time um i knew it was going to be a very um, in some ways, a very tangible symbol of what role I played in my community, both pre and post conversion. Um, but I think more importantly, it was something I was and continue to be drawn to as someone who connects very strongly with tangible and tactile ritual. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I guess the first memories that come to mind are of like of appreciation of just sort of the beauty of this ritual object um, and that sort of anticipation of building up towards something that I knew I wanted to take part in. Mm-hmm. Was there anybody in your congregation's talus who you 
were you know who you like coveted in any way oh my gosh I wouldn't say coveted but um <laughs> like endlessly stared at during services um so there is a woman in my show who I totally regret that I don't know her name um but she wears this beautiful like dark green lacy talus Ooh. and it's like it's like deep forest green and it's not just lace like I think there must be a layer of like cotton behind it or something because like you're looking at lace but you also don't see through to whatever she's wearing underneath it I don't know it's a gorgeous talus <laughs> very fun to look at <laughs> wow that is sounds very entrancing oh absolutely <laughs> <laughs> I really like what you said about about finding importance or like I like hearing that you find importance in tactile objects. It, mm. I feel like I relate to that and also feel curious, like, um, what about Atalus, like, triggers that for you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I guess being an artist and being a person who, like, loves fabric and like sewing um, knitting all that fun stuff from a super young age I just love to have always loved to fiddle with fabric and string um, I'm a very fidgety person um, so the idea of having like a built-in fidget toy during our three hour long <laughs> services um, you know having having something to uh, twirl around in your fingers the whole time uh, but I guess from more of like a spiritual standpoint um, it's like a um, I guess something that comes to mind is uh, there's this really nice um, uh, like verse, I guess it's like used as a meditation, um, right before you make the bracha when you put on the talis. Um, I, it's from Tehillim. I totally looked this up before the interview. Um, so it's from Tehillim and it says that um, Hashem is clothed in splendor and majesty, uh, wrapped in light as a garment, unfolding the heavens like a curtain. So for me, that's like a super powerful line. And I think what it comes down to when I say that it means a lot to have something tangible, because I can take this like all these beautiful like liturgical images that we're working with and connect it to this very physical thing that like just as we see this imagery of like light and the heavens being unfolded like a garment, like I'm sort of uh, participating in that as I'm wrapping myself in a garment. So it's sort of that like pairing of um, these like really big abstract ideas that then we can sort of distill down into our ritual objects, I think is sort of what comes up for me um, in terms of like tangibility and physicality. Mm -hmm. And so are you wearing a talus regularly? I do. Yes. Um, so I wear a talus gadol um, in shul that I made for myself. Um, and the rest of the time I also wear a talus gatan. Um, so wearing a talus that I created for myself is like, just wicked exciting. It's a little bit self-indulgent, um, little treat to take my art with me. It's a shawl. Um, and uh, wearing tzitzis daily is a, a relatively new practice for me um, and something that, uh, again, comes back to that tangibility. Like it's a, um, it's a point to continually ground myself to throughout like an otherwise busy and stressful and not at all spiritual day um, to kind of have something that I take with me and wear with me all the time to sort of return to. Yeah. Could you talk more about like your daily practice versus the 
like more in shul practice of wearing your talis kadol? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that I would say there's like a huge difference between the practices for me. I think mm-hmm. um, wearing a talis feels very meaningful kind of no matter in what setting or format I do it. Um, I guess like there's a bit of a difference in like um, wearing something that becomes part of my clothing for the day and that becomes part of my outfit. And then the fact that I wear it every day becomes almost like a uniform, um, I guess takes on definitely a different like cadence to it than wearing um, a talus in shul does that you take you put on and then you take off at the end of services mm-hmm. um but uh yeah did you make your talus katan also i did and that was more for practical purposes than artistic purposes um i uh could not find um i didn't look super hard to be completely honest um <laughs> but i didn't expect to find um a uh talus katan that was shaped in a way that would be comfortable for my body. Um, I also have uh, just a lot of like sensory sensitivities and so would not really be comfortable wearing something like wool under my shirt all day. Um, So I uh, made mine out of just a very soft cotton t-shirt and make slits up the sides and reinforce the corners and whatnot. Right. Wow. Oh, it's just, I guess I'm like, okay. I would love to know how you decided to start wearing Atali Katan. Mm-hmm. And I would also love to know more about the process of you making um, your Atali Tote. And I I don't know where to start. So I'm curious if you have like a, a place to start in all of that. Um, yeah, sure. I can I can begin with wearing Atali Katan. Great. <laughs> Uh, so that's a practice I took on, um, actually just this summer, um, which doesn't feel all that long ago. Um, and, uh, actually, uh, the first day that I wore my new telescatan that I had made was the day of, uh, the Boston Dyke March, which actually (laughs) also fell right before Shavuos. So it felt like a very auspicious time (laughs) to be starting this practice, um, Ash versus like one of my favorite holidays. Um, so that was exciting and like sort of this fun moment of uh um am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah. Okay, great. This really <laughs> this like really fun moment of like gender fuckery of um being able to take on this new practice, which definitely has some some gender coding um and a lot of gendered weight behind it within our tradition. Um and the first time doing that was the day of the dyke march that was really fun um but i remember the the first time i saw someone who was not an orthodox man wearing tzitzis um i think it was at a a kavod um kabshab and potluck um it was just like a, a wild experience for me um it like hadn't even occurred to me that people who were not really observant men could wear a talis katan it wasn't something that was on my radar at all. Um, and so I remember I was I was with a friend and I like immediately was like, 
what's going on with that? Like, <laughs> like what info do you have for me on this? Like, I need to know what, what, what this is, what this means. Um, and uh, ended up doing like a ton of learning about that because uh, kind of as soon as I realized that like this was even an option, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do that. Like it, it just immediately was like, oh, that is a practice that would fit so beautifully into sort of like what I consider meaningful uh, within my Jewishness. So, um, yeah, so I did a lot of learning and thinking about it, um, spent a lot of time kind of trying to decide if this was like something I really wanted to take on for myself. Um, I think there was a lot of going back and forth of like, am I just doing this for the visibility of it? Or is this something that's truly meaningful to me and my Jewishness and my gender? Um, there's a a lot of soul searching there of uh, considering my intentions. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it, I think it was also especially a big decision because uh, the community that I come from in Worcester, uh, most people do not wear a talus katan. So it was something I would be kind of making a decision that was, um, and taking on a practice that was a little bit different than what most people in my community do. Um, so that sort of added to it being a big decision. Um, but it, it's, it's become a, a very important part of my practice. It's a, um, it's kind of a, a moment to pause on, uh, like a stressful commuting morning. Um, like not just like throwing my clothes on and running out the door, but like really taking a minute to like, um, really be in the moment as I'm, as I'm getting dressed, um, and, uh, like have a moment to make a bracha. And, um, it's brought a really strong sense of belonging in my own skin for me and my own body. Um, uh, I always think of that line, um, from Nishmat, um, Kolatz Masai Tomanara Hashem Mechamocha. Um, it's all of my bones cry out Hashem who is like you. Um, so I think a lot about like what it means to live in my bones, in my body as a person who's kind of worked within the matrix of dysphoria and transness my whole life. Um, so what it means for not just me to be able to express simultaneously uh, like religious or holy expressions um, and express that I love my body, but for my body itself to be able to create holy expressions um, like for my own bones to be the ones sort of praying Um that's a really powerful idea for me. Um, and I think this, uh, sort of, uh, combination of, um, like my body and sort of all the weight that that holds within my gender and my transness, and then combining that with like a, um, with something that holds sort of spiritual weight and significance and a lot of communal significance for me. Um, is uh just very powerful um so it's sort of like taking on the uh practice of wearing the talus katan for me was a little bit less about my gender and it was very much like a choice that was like jewishly motivated um fit into my practice um but since then it's the fact that i wear a talus katan has become now an inherent part of my gender expression um so they've kind of become intermingled and tangled up and it's uh pretty neat <laughs> yeah well it strikes me that it's just one of a few ways at, I can think of to visibly represent um a sort of 
it's like a an object that is both visibly Jewish and visibly on like some bodies transgressive and often honestly mm -hmm. depending on how it's worn on a lot of bodies that are not visibly orthodox as well somewhat transgressive mm -hmm. but that it kind of can hold this um, gendered and Jewish experience um, visibly yeah absolutely is, um, I, I don't know for me, it's been, it's hard to think of many objects that could do that. Um, yeah. Wow. Everything you just said was just very, I'd never like the image of like bones crying out is not one that I focused on before. And I just, <laughs> now I'm just a little stuck on it. It's really very striking. Yeah, this is the uh, the pitfalls of being an anatomy nerd. Is you uh, uh, definitely fixate a lot on all of the body focused imagery in our liturgy. <laughs> it's a good way to be. <laughs> um, well, can I now, I guess, direct us towards the you uh, not just as an anatomy nerd, but as an artist and. Um, creator of, of beautiful things um, I guess like I learned who you were partially through ending up on your Instagram and just watching all of your stories of how you made the talitote that you've made um, and just feeling like oh my gosh I have to talk to this person <laughs> um, so I I personally am just very, very curious how um, how you came to making your own talitot and and then also would love to hear about the ones you've made particularly. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, first of all, thank you so much for looking at my uh, Instagram. <laughs> Um, I, I, yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, uh, yeah, so I, um, I, uh, oh gosh, okay, where to start this section? Okay, so, um, I have had a lot of different sort of artistic pursuits throughout my life. I think a lot of people, like, land on they're like one thing like maybe they are really really good at drawing or maybe they're like an oil painter or whatnot um and I feel like it took me forever to do that um and uh I sort of dabbled in like so many different things um you know drawing painting sewing weaving etc cetera, etc cetera, my whole life um and when I was in undergrad university um I began taking a printmaking class, which was totally off the cuff. I just, um, I was working towards an art major and I just needed a class that semester and it was what fit into my schedule. I am pretty sure I didn't even know what printmaking was before I took this <laughs> class. Um, and it was like transformative. I um, like fell in love with the process of printmaking. Um, particularly, I really, really love um, lino cut printing. So where you carve designs into linoleum and um, you uh, cover them with a, an ink and you can print uh, them onto paper or 
fabric in this case. Um, so I had a spectacular professor. Um, his name is Antonio Fonseca. Um, and uh, you should totally check out his website. Very talented artist. And he was um, really influential in my um, sort of questioning of where can I go with this? What can I do with this? Because I've never been a person who really likes to make art on paper that then just hangs on a wall um, that feels like... Um, I. I just, I, I feel very strongly about art should be usable, art should be wearable, art should have some sort of tangible purpose. Um, and while art hanging on a wall is very beautiful and lovely, and I love to partake in it, as in like by other people's work, it's not something that speaks to me super strongly to make myself. Um, and so I um, was talking with Antonia about uh, just different ways that um, I could take my printmaking and I settled after a little while on um, realizing I'd like to be working on quilts um, where I was creating the patterns myself, um, like creating the, um, the, the visual patterns on the um, fabric myself using Linocut. Um, and uh, soon after that, I um, f finished my conversion process um, and it uh, sort of struck me that like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be wearing a talus soon. And like, what is a talus if not just like a large, beautiful, really meaningful piece of textile art? And I love textile art. I've just sort of realized this um, intersection that textile work can have with printmaking. So it, all, it just sort of fell together of realizing like, oh, like I really, really, really want to make my own talus. Um, that's like the perfect project for me to be working on. Um, and it admittedly took like forever. Um, I was working on this talus so slowly. Um, but I eventually um, sort of settled on the design. I think the design part took me the longest because it was like, you know, all the, all the frazzled nerves of being fresh off of conversion. Like, it has to be meaningful. The imagery has to, like, speak to who I am Jewishly. It doesn't. It just needed to be pretty. I was overthinking it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I eventually sort of settled on this design um, where each of the stripes that we traditionally see on a talus were going to be um, uh, created with linocut printing and sort of these repeating patterns. So um, I have one stripe of blue that is in the shape of water, one stripe of like a brown black that is um, representing like crumbling earth, um, a stripe of brown branches, and a stripe of green um, uh, American beech tree leaves. Um, and um, uh, yes, in the Atara is... Um, dyed and embroidered um, and so it was a long process and uh, I think it was um, I struggle with large projects with feeling motivated continually through them and this was like the first project that even though it took me forever I like felt excited about each and every step like no part of it felt like a drag like oh I have to do this so I can get on to the next step it was like actually really um, really engaging at each point that I was at um, so I realized after finishing this talus that this is something I would love to keep doing. Um, and um, I feel 
very honored that I've had a couple friends ask me to make Tally Seam for them. Um, so I've recently finished um, two for two of my friends, um, Victor and Bunny, who are members of um, my synagogue in Worcester. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been um, a really spectacular process, sort of um, uh, engaging more fully with the concept of Hidor Mitzvah, um, like not just seeking out beautiful ritual objects, but like really pouring myself into them and creating these beautiful ritual objects um, has been really, really strong, really powerful. Um, and um, as I was saying before, it took me like a very long time to feel like I'd settled into what my shtick was within my art practice. And I've kind of come to a point where I feel like this is it. I feel like um, creating Deli Seam is uh, kind of my thing. Um, so yeah, it's just been a, a really strong, powerful practice. Um, and uh, it's something that I don't really know a lot of people that do. Um, that, that do create their own teleseam. Um, I know a couple people here and there who've done it, and it's always really, really exciting to talk to other people who've created their own teleseam of like, what was your process like and what led you to want to do this and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so it's, uh, um, yeah, so that's a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, wow. I'm, what is it, like you mentioned at the, at the beginning of this interview that sometimes it feels almost selfish to get to wear your own art <laughs> in school. But I, I'm curious to know more, like what does it feel like to then to have spent all this time, um, like trying to make something that felt right to you, mm -hmm. um, and then getting to just wear it now. Yeah, I think um, maybe a little more self-indulgent than selfish. <laughs> um, it's like, uh, it's like, oh, this is like a little treat. I, like, um, uh, yeah, it feels, um, I mean, it, feel, it feels huge every time I, I put on my talus. It's, uh, I poured so much of myself into this and, um, uh, you know, I spent like, it's things like it took me three months to research and find the perfect fabric that I was going to order to use. Like <laughs> um, every little step was really um, a lot was poured into it. So I think it um, uh, it's hard to put into words what it feels like. I think it can feel like a lot of different things, but I think it sort of captures a sense of um, of excitement, of pride. I think it, it, it captures a sense of like, um, how actively I've been able to participate in my own life Jewishly, which um, I think is really, really huge. And um, like, I don't think it should have to be subversive for trans people to like really fully experience our Jewishness, but the fact of the matter is sometimes it is. Um, mm -hmm. So that uh, there's definitely um, some sense of that going on. Um, and then I think there's also like, um, just as I've said, I just love the um, the liturgical imagery that surrounds Talisim and um, sort of having imagery on my talis that uh, sort of echoes the nature that I grew up in. Um, like I specifically chose like um, beech trees uh, grow a lot in my hometown. Um, so this is like um, this is imagery that that echoes a lot of my 
really close um, relationships with and memories of nature and little pockets of nature that I've been able to um, be around my whole life. Um, So I think there's another sense of like groundedness um, in wearing something that is so deeply personal. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, then there's also just like a sense of expansiveness of wearing something that's a little bit different. Like um, I think I'll tell you see my very, very meaningful, but um, wearing something that's not just that, that echoes a lot of the traditional imagery that we see in Telecine with the, um, with the stripes and the, the corner square and the etara and um, sort of having the same basic format, but having it be something very personal and um, imagery that's uh, very, very natural, um, I think feels very expansive and exciting to me um, to be able to take um, a very traditional object and sort of maintaining what we expect from it traditionally and halakhically and then sort of riffing off of it to see like where else could this go what else could this be which I guess is probably also a good way to describe like my Jewishness in general (laughs) yeah well I'm curious to hear more like you brought up how like about feeling Sorry. Okay. I'm trying to figure out how to word the question I want to ask. I basically want to know, like, you talked about with your Talis Katan that it has come to take on this meaning for you as a trans person as well as a Jew. And um, you mentioned being trans in what this Talis that you've made means to you. And I'm curious if, if this Talis has also taken on... Um, any like gendered feelings for you Ooh, yeah um hmm, that's a really good question um i think um i guess sort of the two things that come to mind are um again just how physical and tangible this object is um anything that is uh related to my body that comes up when i'm praying will sort of end up taking on some element of um like bringing up feelings of transness and gender for me um so like being able to um being able to like wrap my body in a ritual object um, definitely evokes um, some sense of like protection and belonging in my own body, um, which is very trans feeling Um, growing up feeling uh, most of my life. Like it was very difficult to feel protected and belonging in my own body. Um, So this is sort of a powerful practice of that now. Um, and I guess the other thing that comes up is sort of the idea of having an object that is having a ritual object to tell us that is very um, traditional in its format. Like it's, you know, it's got like a nice white background. It's got the, 
It's got the uh, the fringes that run along the border. It's got the stripes in the traditional direction. Um, sort of the overall visual effect is a lot like a basic like blue and white or black and white talus. Um, but then having um, having like what composes the stripes and what the atara looks like being um, very bright and colorful. Um, I guess like in my shul, um, this is not like a blanket statement, but um, to some extent, um, women tend to be more likely to wear like brightly colored talisim, where men tend to be a little more likely to wear like traditional black and white or blue and white talisim, mm-hmm. um, which is not to say that is true of every man or woman in my congregation. That is definitely not true, um, but a little bit of a trend. So I guess there's a a fun little um, marriage of those two styles um, within my talus. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. I guess I, like, I feel really struck by, um, by your talus and by your process partially and like by your decision to make your own I think partially because um, to me it feels like really like hearing you say all this it really feels like you are like owning this object as your own um, in a way that you know like I know that many, many women wear Talisim now. Um, and I also just, I, I guess for myself, I just can't get away from this idea that like the Talus is like traditionally for men mm-hmm. and then they like made women's Talisim almost. Mm-hmm. And that um, like I, like hearing you say, speak about making your own just has made me has like moved me in a direction of feeling just like oh my gosh you just got so there's like so much power in choosing how this looks for yourself and how like what it physically feels like and um which parts of the talus like speak to you and don't and how affirming that sounds um in a world that like kind of definitely not all Talisim are produced for like one type of person or or any other but like I don't know a lot of them are and a lot of places will be like these are our girls Talisim and these are mm. like <laughs> you have a son being bar mitzvah like this check out this one like what you're talking about about the trends in, in what you see um like on the other side of it at, at at Adva where I work like we don't gender uh our talisim but other people will when they buy from us they'll be like I'm looking at one for my daughter so like these seem like the options right <laughs> and we have to be like um if you think she'd like them <laughs> But not because it's pink (laughs) or like not because it has any color on it. Um, Yeah. 
it's just a very I'm it just sounds yeah very affirming to make your own in light of all of that to me yeah I absolutely adore um uh Wow, I'm realizing just now, like, this probably speaks a lot to my own, like, gendered or whatever outlook on life. It actually never even occurred to me, looking through Adva's website, that they weren't categorized by gender. I have always just looked at the website, like, oh my gosh, what beautiful Sally's theme, and it um, never even struck me that they weren't um, categorized by gender. So, wow, didn't even think of that, spectacular. Um yeah. Yeah. It's like a pretty low bar, you know? <laughs> yes. In my mind. But it's, um, yeah. Yeah. There definitely a lot of other people like create it anyway mm -hmm. when they interact with our, our stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, I'm curious just like what, if, if there are things that I haven't asked you that feel relevant, if there's like something on your mind through this conversation or right now that you would like to share. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> uh, wow, I don't think anything in particular um, jumps out at me. I guess I'll do the, the shameless self plug of, um, you can look at my tally seam on my Instagram, yeah. which is homebody.png, homebody.png. Um, I, at some point will be creating a more <laughs> organized and professional looking website. Um, but the time hasn't happened yet, um, but I do really adore creating these and creating these for and with people, and um, it's always such a gratifying process when the talus is finished and then I get to tie the tzitzis with whoever it's um, going to be for. Um, uh, the last two that I created were... Um, for two friends who actually had never tied seat seats before. So it was like really fun to be able to do that with them mm -hmm. and it being like a learning process for them and the first time they'd done that. So it was really fun. Um, so uh, yeah, um, reach out to me on my Instagram if you're interested in creating something together. <laughs> yeah. Shameless self-plug. <laughs> Absolutely. And that, there, there will be show notes and I would love to link. I'll put the link. Um, to your Instagram in the show notes as well. Oh, fancy, fancy. So, I know. <laughs> Everyone should go look. It's just very beautiful. <laughs> um, very inspiring. Thank you. Um, to me, at least. Yeah. Um, no, we love the self-promotion here. Everyone should see your tally team. Um, yeah. Well, it's just been such a pleasure and a joy to get to talk to you. Absolutely, yourself as well. Thank you so much for having me and uh, for all your questions and for listening and for your time. Thanks for listening to Fringes, my passion project supported by Adva Designs. 
For more definitions and links, as well as a transcription of this episode, please check out the show notes on our website, advadesigns.com slash fringes episode four. That's A-D-V-A-H-D-E-S-I-G-N-S dot C-O-M slash F-R-I-N-G-E-S E-P-I-S-O-D-E four. The show notes will also include Noam's Instagram and other links to their work. Please look at it. It's so gorgeous. As always, the interviews I do and the stories I get to share through this podcast cannot possibly capture the breadth of experiences in this world. I'm inevitably leaving people out. That said, this project is growing. If your story feels left out and you want to share it, please reach out to me at emma at oddbroaddesigns.com. That's E-M-M-A at A-D-V-A-H-D-E-S-I-G-N-S dot com. This podcast is coming out on a bi-weekly basis. A huge thanks to my producer, Sarah Resnick, and to Home Despot, non-binary Jewish musician of my heart and creator of our intro. Thank you for listening. See you in two weeks wherever podcasts can be found.